When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Dilly Ding, Dilly Dong, the Leicester Mercury's Leicester City podcast. I'm James Sharp. Alongside me is our head of sport, Mark Clayton, and we are here to dissect Leicester City's defeat to Manchester City in the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup. Discuss everything that went on there, all the talking points, all the missed penalties, and also how much of an effect this 120 minutes is going to have on those players' legs ahead of what is a very fest- uh, frantic you know, festive Christmas schedule. Um, before we get underway, have our usual message for our sponsors. Um, those, if anyone wants some uh, free beers from around the world, they can go to beer52.com and they can get a case of eight beers from around the world just for the postage and packaging. Um, go onto the website and use the keyword Leicester. And those free beers are yours. Right, Mark. Cheers. <laughs> right, Mark. Now, to the football. Um, yeah. You were in the office at the game yesterday, but the game was on television and you, you As caught always. a bit of it. Yes. Um, a lot of the talk in the book, well, when the team news was announced and also um, in the aftermath of the game, was whether Claude Powell got his team selection right. He made seven changes from the team that started the defeat against Crystal Palace. Um without the likes of Jamie Vardy, Riyad Mahrez and Damari Gray, who were all on the bench. Man City, meanwhile, made nine changes. Didn't have the likes yep. of Sergio Aguero or Kevin De Bruyne or David Silva or Raheem Sterling. And a lot of the fans are seeing this as a bit of a chance missed. Do you agree with them? No, not really. I mean, there were seven changes from a very poor performance mm-hmm. against Crystal Palace. So... You would argue that some changes were necessary. It is a massively busy festive programme. I don't think you can underestimate the toll that's going to take with games Saturday night, Tuesday, Saturday and Monday. And I think we've seen, haven't we, that Leicester have the shortest um, yeah. period um, it, you know, in which to play those four fixtures. So he, he's not only got to keep players fresh, he's not only got to keep players interested he's going to need to use that squad so should he have made should he have made less changes yeah, I, I don't know it's, it's a dilemma I, I think well, I Gary Lineker was probably right well, Gary Lineker tweeted during the game um, um, he tweeted that he, he couldn't believe didn't understand why Leicester City had, had fielded a second team um, to play the game but, but I think that's a bit harsh you should look at that team and although he made seven changes Seven of that starting lineup had started in either one of the last two Premier League games. So it yeah. wasn't a complete set of stiffs. No. The only ones that you'd say haven't played really before under a Puel were Hamer in goal, Amati at right back, Dragovic um, at centre half, and Ian Acho up front. Yeah. So the rest of them are, think... all, are all players that have started in the Premier League. So uh, I don't. I think the, the the thing is that fans would would rather have seen Vardy and Mares and Gray play. But if you look at look at Vardy, he has started every Premier League game so far this season. 
he ex- you'd expect him to start against Man United and the next game and the next yeah. game and the next game. People forget he's he's nearly thirty one years old and his game is based around energy and snapping yeah. at, at opponents' heels. He a player of his age isn't going to keep isn't going to keep no, that up. No, but I think where where I could understand uh, people's view is the Carabao Cup or the League Cup, whichever. He, title you want to give it, probably represented the best chance of silverware yeah. when you're down to the quarterfinal. So, should he have prioritised that? Um, on, on balance, he perhaps made one or two too many changes. Uh, but then if you played Vardy and he wasn't fit then for Manchester United on Saturday, I don't know, it's a difficult one. I, I think it's, it's, it's easy to criticise a decision. Um I, I think I can understand why he did what he did. Yeah, me, me too as well. And I think, and also, and just the fact that they went then went all the way and took them to penalties and probably edged extra time in terms of chances. You could argue that the team he selected had done enough. Yeah, to and, to, to get through. And also, you, you could, if you were being really cynical, you could argue that the two players everybody thought should have been in the starting lineup actually missed their penalties anyway. So. Yeah, exactly. And we'll, we'll, we'll we'll come to that um, later on. But there were. Talking of penalties, there were, of course, one, maybe two um, controversial decisions in that, in the fact that so Damari Gray um, was brought down by Kyle Walker for the first one, which Vardy then scored. But then later on, there was a chance as well when Vardy went down on the challenge yeah. of Danilo. Now, we both disagree on whether Damari Gray's penalty should be a penalty. Yeah. To the fact that, to the point where... I asked it. I tried to get in touch with the FA today to see if he's going to get done for diving, whereas you think it was a penalty. I think he did everything. He did everything that strikers are taught to do. He got himself between the ball and the defender, so the the, the, the defender is is now at a disadvantage. If he then makes an effort to get to the ball, the chances are he is going to. He's going to knock him and unbalance him in some way and bring him down. I can't see how that was a dive. That I think, I think, on the all chance probability, that was a penalty. And and yes, to a degree, he earned the penalty, but he earned it in the way that you're taught to do it. I don't think it was a blatant dive. In the way that Vardy always earns penalties. Exactly. In the way that Vardy yeah. does that thing where he gets in front of the defender, steps across, waits for contact. Wins, gets the contact and then goes to yeah. ground. I mean, defenders, forty million pounds. Defenders shouldn't. Fifty million. Shouldn't, pounds fifty million in a case. <laughs> forty million is is overrated. God knows what fifty million is. Uh, shouldn't make that 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 type of mistake. Don't don't make the challenge. Don't get involved. It, it, I th- I think it was justified. I think the ref got that one right. What about the Danio? No. I think there's a coming together. I mean, I, I don't think Vardy Vardy didn't dive there, but there was a coming. There was a coming together. It was almost shoulder to to shoulder. There was no charge. It was Vardy was trying to cut across. I think I don't think that was a penalty on any day of the week. No, I agree with you on that. I think Vardy did what Vardy normally does, which yeah. is the well it, collision. But then Vardy went take that contact and goes down. Right, that's those done. Right, we'll have a tick on those. Yeah, then. moving on. Um, you mentioned it earlier in terms of the, the penalty shoot itself. Yeah, uh, and. The fact that the two star players, you would say, were the two that missed their penalties. Um, 
we were looking at this today, and of all the people to take that fifth penalty, I'm I am surprised. Well, I'm not surprised because it's Riyad Mahrez, and so he's a star player. But his history of penalties is really poor, and yeah. I'm surprised that he is still stuck with as a penalty taker because he's now missed six of his last eleven for club and country, and scored at nine in his all-15 for Leicester City, which is about 60% conversion yeah. rate, which is far, far too low. It is low, yeah. <laughs> for a penalty taker. I mean, you're, I mean, you either go with power or placement, preferably both, if you're Cristiano Ronaldo, but Mara seems to do neither and just kind of weakly side-foot it at a saveable height in hopes, yeah. the, the, hopes the goalkeeper goes the right way. Yeah. The thing with with, with penalties, and I don't know what Claude Puel's philosophy is, but the thing with penalties and penalty takers is managers normally work on the basis that if the player's up for it and wants to take it, then they put them... Now, how many of the 11 on the pitch were up to to, to take those penalties? Vardy and Mares, of course, are recognised penalty takers. However... They were by far the two poorest penalties. The others were, were superb penalties. Um, yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you about about Mares. His record is, isn't good, and he's already effectively taken off Leicester penalties by two managers. He got yeah. taken off by Claudio, and then got taken off by Shakespeare in his performance. So, I mean, I don't think it'll be long before Puel makes yeah. the same decision. Well, Vardy, to be fair, Vardy's, Vardy's now missed three. Um, and I know people like well, Leicester fans will hark back to the days of Gary Park and Gary Pallister, and Gary McAllister, who hardly missed two between them in their whole careers. I suppose but. there is a there is a in, in my view though there is a huge difference between taking a penalty in normal time in a game and a penalty shootout. A penalty shootout, the techniques there with every professional footballer. When it comes to penalty shootouts, it's so much about bottle and nerve. Uh, and you saw it, didn't you, with the experience of uh, Fuchs and Ibora? There was they seemed completely nerveless with the penalties. Whether Vardy and Mares got the touch of the nerves, I don't know. Well, Vardy, I always find that it must be a, it must be strange taking a penalty if you've already taken one before in the game because you've already gone one way. Yeah. So then you've got the whole double bluff of do I do, go, do I go the same way? Do I send the goalkeeper the other way, or is, what, is the goalkeeper going to get going to go the same way or not? I think that's always yeah. an odd dynamic. Um, but like you say, Fuchs's penalty was excellent, and I mean, I, 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 I would give him. I think he's an excellent penalty taker. Yeah. Um, and in in normal time, I'd look at him as. Because the thing with left backs, isn't it? Like Dennis Irwin, yeah, Leighton Baines. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know whether it's because they're left footed, but there yeah. is always a, a, a thing. And also Ibora, if you look at he was. He took penalties for Seville as well, so he has history there yeah. of taking penalties. But I mean, we can't really lament it for it too long because. Now, I would also say as well is that uh, Bravo has a reputation has. for being a very good penalty well, he ba- stopper. Well, basically, Chile basically won the Copa America yeah. on Claudio Bravo being able to yeah. say penalties. I mean, the rest of his game is isn't great. Suspect. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it, extraordinarily so um, from the game uh, on Tuesday night. I mean, there was one way he tried to clear the ball and. Rebounded off Vardy, nearly went in, a la Chris Wood at Watford a few years ago. But when it comes to penalties, his record is yeah. it is great. Um, what have we got now? So 
It, talking about team selection again, yeah, um, with Novardi. This was this was the first chance we had, Lower Leicester City fans had, and it collectively Nacho had to play in the position that he is his preferred one, i.e., up front on the defender's on the last defender's shoulder as the main man. So far, we've seen him play in the hole a little bit, play out wide a little bit, but not really being given chance to show what he can do. He was given that chance to show what he can do. And and from what I saw, didn't really take it. No, I think you would say he didn't have a good game. Um, but, and, and the big but I have here is that effectively he's only just starting his Leicester City career. Most most managers would tell you that players need to get a run in the side for you to see the best out of them. The problem is, is that he isn't getting that run, and he's bitten and bobbing and coming on for cameos, and uh, so I think he didn't take his chance in that game. He didn't, he, he didn't star, and they did look a better side when Vardy came on. But I think those people that have a tendency to write him off uh, are doing so a little bit too soon, to be quite honest, because you know it, it, he has huge potential, and I think. We'd all agree with that, wouldn't we? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's proven while at Man City, when Leicester signed him, he boasted the best goals-to-minute ratio of any striker ever to have scored more than 10 goals in the Premier League. How much of that is to do with the fact he had Kevin De Bruyne and David Silva rolling the ball on a plate for him? We don't know. <laughs> Helps. <laughs> yeah, it, it does help. Um, but it, it, there is... He has a record there of scoring goals in the Premier League, which, which we shouldn't really forget. I think the one thing for me that... Not necessarily his his ability or or talents that question, but the thing that that frustrated me the most was when it was in the build up to Man City's first goal, where he lost the ball on the halfway line, and instead of chasing back, decided to argue with the referee and say it was a foul. Instead of chasing back, and Man City scored from it. I mean, Leicester fans, I mean most football fans, that can accept deficiencies in talent and deficiencies in ability. But when it comes to deficiencies in in effort or petulance, yeah, they don't take it very well. I think that's another way to read this. I think you can read it in that he himself knew this was his big chance. And he he did seem a little frustrated with his form. And sometimes it's like everything in life, isn't it? You wonder whether he's perhaps trying a little too hard. and you know, So he, he wanted to, to, to blame the ref. But, he, but I agree with you, yeah. yeah. It, and he is, he is young still, so I, I I think he's going to come good. Right. So he, uh, but let's let's hope it's not at the expense of a long term Vardy injury. Yeah, yeah. Let's hope so, because um, at the minute he from he is still way behind Vardy in terms of pushing for a first team spot. But we think so. We're thinking Ian Acho's future at Leicester is still bright despite um, a poor performance. Yeah, because I think as well the type of player he is as a striker plays into the way. Claude wants to play. Yeah, I would agree with that. He's just got the, he has the issue of being behind an exceptional striker in Jamie Vardy. Yeah. Someone who doesn't seem to fit into the way Claude Puel wants to play or the way that Leicester City want to play is Islam Slomani, who now that's the fifth game in a row has not even been on the bench, has been yeah. outside the matchday squad, despite having been the top scorer in the Carabao Cup with four goals in three games. He's nowhere to be seen. Claude Puel tries to dodge questions in press conferences 
regarding his future by saying, well, it's difficult for me to be able to put all my strikers on the bench because I've got so many of them. If he has got so many of them and he can't find a place for Samani on the bench, it does raise questions over whether his future lies here or elsewhere. Yeah, of course, the the one thing we don't know with Slomani is where he sees his future. Yeah. Um, does he have the desire to make a go of it at Leicester? Or has he accepted the fact that he's going to have to try pastures new? Um, I think you would argue that it's looking more and more like he will leave Leicester mm. in the January transfer window. But there's a big but here, isn't there? There's a huge but. There's a but that they found in the summer, which yeah. is that he, Leicester, from what we gather in the summer, were more than happy for for Slomani to to play his football elsewhere. The problem they've got is that Leicester want to recoup as much of that thirty million quid's worth as possible. Yeah. But the the what teams are going to either a want to or b afford to pay that much money for him? Yeah, I mean, some of the clubs that are being talked about. Um, Newcastle, Stoke, West Brom. Of course, they may well be desperate enough because for all three, their Premier League future is looking a bit dicky. Mm. Now, from what we understand at Newcastle, the problem there is going to be that Newcastle will be interested in a loan deal for him and from what we understand there is an historic interest in Slomani but they're in the middle of a takeover negotiations and the present owners aren't going to want to put in a big money offer for Slomani because they might not be there and the new owners can't and don't look like being there in time for the January transfer window. So you would argue that may rule out Newcastle. Yeah, I mean, there's also... I mean, the Sporting Lisbon, his former club, who Leicester bought him from, they, and also Leicester, bought eventually... Adrian Silva from they their manager just said in, recently in, in public that he that Slomani is still beloved there yeah. and they they that the the owners still want him the management still want him the players still want him the fans still want him Sporting Lisbon can have him if they want but can they stump up thirty million quid Yeah, the, 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 I think of, of all the teams mentioned, this is the one that would probably suit Slomani, yeah, and and suit and probably suit Leicester. So is there some sort of deal that can be fashioned with Sporting, bearing in mind, have Leicester sorted out all the finances for the silver deal? So is there some financial arrangement that can be made through there? Because I can't see Sporting stumping up the type of money Leicester would want. No, and would also, would Leicester... Are the the bridges between those two clubs still intact enough after this Adrian Silver malarkey? Well, the... I think so they probably are because the you know we I don't think we really know exactly what went on, but there's been no public uh, rancor between the the two no. clubs, has there? And let's put it this way: when West Ham fell out with with Sporting, yeah, there there was a lot of public rancor. So if if I if I was a betting man, I'd say Slomani will go. Yeah, will Leicester accept a loan deal? Uh, I don't know because uh, loan deals. Uh, I, don't, I don't see how a loan deal could help because Leicester, if they want to get rid of him, they want the money back. Because a loan deal suits kind of no one really. Because if if you send him out on loan, you're still paying his wages, and then if you get an injury crisis, then you're a bit stuck because you've lost an option and you've not got any money for him. 
You might. You, no, you just... I, you say it's, but yeah. but then, if nothing else is going to happen, is for all per parties, the the best way to get if the players are unhappy, it, it, it is the best way simply to get them. Maybe six months elsewhere. Maybe to, to be. I think for. How I mean, he struggled. He struggled at Leicester, but his goal record, his his goal to minute record at Leicester is is pretty good. Yeah. Um, especially in the League Cup, but he just doesn't seem to fit in. And I think if he goes to another club, if he went to another Premier League club, even if you if he goes to a club that play, plays to his strengths, which is you play him in the box, you play him as a po- as a in the six yard yeah. box finisher and get it on his head, he's got the potential to be a, still a top class striker. I, I think. I mean, I hate to say this. But I think a club like Stoke and the way Stoke play, with Slavani as as it, the out and out striker, I I, I think he I, I think he, the, the danger is he could be an embarrassment and suddenly start throwing in the goals. Yeah. But um, you know, it's a question. It is a question of whether any club has either got the money or is desperate enough to pitch him because I don't think Leicester can afford to to sell him cut price. No, I mean the same. I think the same not cash sort of, wise, but from no. an embarrassment point of and view. And the same, the same also applies pretty much to to Ahmed Moose as well on a slightly lesser scale because yeah. he's again he's not featured in the same way Slamani hasn't. No, he's right. not been in the squad and been playing bits and pieces of the development squad. But again, that's even if his future doesn't like Leicester, that's still sixteen million pounds worth of investment. It's, that's another one, isn't it? I mean. Because there's talk about him going back to Hull, but now Leonard Slutsky's not there anymore. Yeah. Who was his friend at, well, his manager at Moscow? Yeah. Well, the Musa situation really is even is far worse than the Slomani because, to be quite honest, there doesn't seem that much interest in Musa, um, because, for want of a better word, is it's just not worked out at Leicester at all. So nobody's going to pay the money for him. You could see his contract just. Winding down and then moving on at the end of it, and him still kicking balls about in the development. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so there too that we'll, we'll obviously when January ticks by, which is not long not no, long to go, close. then they will be two of the um, departures or the potential departures that we'll be keeping an eye on, and that moves us kind of onto onto the final point really, where we look forward to Manchester United at, at the weekend. Now we've already mentioned the fact that Leicester have got the most hectic Christmas period yeah. between the game on Saturday and then New Year where it's four games in ten days about 200 and change hours yeah the last thing Leicester would have wanted or Claude Puel would have wanted is for his players resting them or not to have 120 minutes in their legs when he only really wanted 90 now we had Leicester had the problem of their disruptive travel pan- plans back from Southampton where they didn't get back because of Issues with, with the planes, they had to get a bus back and they didn't get back till nearly four in the morning with training at nine and that disrupted their preparations for Crystal Palace, which was one of the most jaded performances yeah, of the season. it was awful. Yeah. yeah. And now they've had extra time against Man City where a lot of it is spent chasing the ball around. Yeah. How much of an impact is that going to have on... Because you, you look at look at that team and, and Harry Maguire, who's a, a fit starter, he played 120 minutes. Yeah. Shinji Okazaki, bless him, is only used to 60 minutes of pop <laughs> usually. Right, yeah. He's now played a full 90 minutes and now 120 minutes yeah. in his last three games. Uh, how much of an effect can this have, well, potentially could this have on the squad ahead of this, this festive um, franticness? I, I don't think it will have any effect at all, to be honest. I think um, 
fatigue did play a part in in my view in the Crystal Palace game. Um, but I think also, I don't think the word is complacency, but uh, uh, they, they seem to take Crystal Palace a little bit too lightly, and you can't do that with any team in the Premier well, League. Well, Paul mentioned this didn't he, in his press conference. Yeah. He said, "I talk, I need to." He said, "I need to rotate my players. I need to keep them fresh." But that doesn't mean necessarily physically fresh. It means mentally yeah. fresh too. And I think that's what you're getting at. Yeah, and I think yeah, it is. And, and but I think again, we're, we're talking now, aren't we? About you play Manchester United at home. In a big TV fixture, Saturday night, mentally the players are going to be they're they're going to be up for that. I I don't have any any problem. I think the fatigue is going to start settling in when we get to the the games, the Liverpool games and the Huddersfield games at the end of the end of this run, because they'll become you know we'll be going midweek Saturday midweek Saturday uh, for now what three weeks by that by the end of that that's so. Your worry would be more when we get to Huddersfield, not 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 the start of the festive program, in my view. Mm, hopefully so. It's nothing yeah. against a team like Manchester United, who are um, flying. Well, not quite as high as Man City, but um, flying relatively high in the Premier League. Um, that should do us now for I this, so, ep- this yeah. episode of Dilly Ding Dilly Dong. Um, do check back with us later on in the week, where we will have the reaction to Claude Puel's press conference um, ahead of the tri- the um, welcome of. Manchester United and um, free and of course if you want to get your free beer then please do go to beer52.com and put in the code Leicester um, from the both of us here um, at Mercury Towers and um, we'll see you again next time <laughs>